This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks, welcome back. You're in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. Dan is out at the spa again this week. I'm not sure what the treatment is, but depilatory, is that the word? You said it, not me. Yeah. Something about that uh, is going on with uh, with Dan. We'll see when he gets back what that looks uh, looks like. With us uh, again this week is the fabulous Greg Shea, longtime professor here at the Wharton School and teacher of all things associated with, what would you say you teach? Leadership, large system go. change. Yeah, large system change. I carry your bags whenever required. (laughs) Large system change. Good one. Uh, And we're going to talk in this half hour about what's going on in the labor market. And with us to help us figure this out is Mary Daly. He's Executive Vice President, Director of Research at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Mary, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you guys? uh, We're good. Mary, let me start out with a joke that my wife thinks is hilarious and I don't get. Maybe you can explain it to me. Uh, And this is something from The New Yorker. And it's a picture of a guy with a beard, and he's at a party, and he says, I'm an economist, ha, ha, ha. And she thinks that's hilarious. Any Either of you getting okay. that one? <laughs> no? Not you either, Greg, huh? I don't get it either, but she thinks it's hilarious. I, I think it would only make it in The New Yorker. I think that's <laughs> I the only place for that. Okay. We had a competition it, at my house about who can figure out the New Yorker. So ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, Some I think are, I think I get it cognitively, but I just don't find it funny. Yeah, it's not I, funny. I, I didn't think so either. But she thinks uh, she just points at me and laughs when she says it. <laughs> um, so, Mary, let's talk. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, later. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that. So, uh, Mary, want to talk about wages here a little bit? Let me begin with a question. I'm sure you hate. I always hate it when it's asked for me. But let's get it out of the way. Is it good for the economy if uh, wages are are not going up, or do we want them to go up? What, what how do you respond to questions like that? It's, I respond by saying it's it's always good when we get wage growth that's okay. consistent with uh, okay. the, the productivity that we're seeing in, in workers because okay. wage growth drives incomes, which drives consumption, which ultimately contributes to the economy. Right. Where it gets nervous-making or where people start to worry about it is if wage growth starts to outstrip productivity mm-hmm. and then our unit costs start to rise and you see inflationary pressures. But mm-hmm. so far, we haven't seen any signs of that. And so the the green shoots of wage growth we are seeing are considered a positive for the economy and mm-hmm. we've seen personal incomes rise along with that wage mm-hmm. growth. Yep. Um, I, yeah, it sounds right to me. I think uh, one of the ways I always think about this is because labor's the biggest single chunk of stuff in the economy. If its prices are going up that kind of pushes inflation along. So you probably don't want that that too high. Um, why do you think we haven't had wage growth for so long, particularly after the Great Recession, but even before the Great Recession, right? So uh, if you go back almost a generation now, except for a couple of years in the late 1990s, right, wages have not done very much at all. Why do you think that is? What's going on? Well, you see a couple of things going on. So I always like to separate it, uh, that I am an economist, I like to separate it into the factors that are cyclical in nature and those that are more secular or structural in nature. Okay. So, so the just factors for th- you're pointing to is are more structural, that wages, okay. you know, real median wage growth has remained fairly flat. Uh, this is a, or wages have been fairly flat for a long time. And this has 
many factors that contribute to it. One is uh, the fact that we're moving a lot of manufacturing jobs away and we're replacing them with yep. other types of jobs. The composition mm-hmm. of the labor force is changing. And those globalization, all of those factors are restraining the growth in real median wages mm-hmm. over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So that is a secular trend that mm-hmm. we can only solve or even think about solving when we think about building skills in the economy of the, among our workers mm-hmm. and increasing their um, their access to the jobs that are, are being created. Mm-hmm. The other factor, though, the one that, that people get caught up on when they look at the relationship between wage growth and the unemployment rate is the cyclical factor, and that's okay. the one we're, which we're paying a lot of attention to right now because wage growth has been slower to revive than the unemployment rate has been. Mm-hmm. And so when just for benefit of listeners here, when you say cyclical, you're talking about business cycle and things which are reasonably transient. And when you're talking about structural, you're talking about things which are reasonably permanent and might not necessarily take exactly. care of themselves in the long run, right? And the exactly. And the adding of about 600,000 semi-skilled Chinese workers to the global economy did a number on the wages of... Uh, those folks in other countries. Certainly that was part of the story. But there's a bunch of things going on, I'm sure, here as well. Um, So maybe we could talk about some of these in a minute. So what are you seeing happen now? Anything different? So so right now, I mean, one of the things that's been the puzzle that that I've spent a lot of time working on and other other economists at the Fed are, are working on is that wage growth has lagged the recovery of the unemployment rate. So yep. we, you know, many commentators agree that the labor market's at what most people think of as full employment. The unemployment rate is very low by historical measures. So the economy, the labor market looks strong, but wage growth has been slower to recover. And the question is, are we really missing how something, and the labor market's not nearly as strong as we think, yep. or is something else depressing wage growth that we, that are, it's muddying the signal. And we've come out with our research on the side that the signal's a little muddier than it normally is because mm-hmm. we've got things going on that are that are positive and other things that are going on that we can't really do much about. So mm-hmm. let's, let's think through that. So one thing that's going on is that as the labor market recovers, lots of lower skilled workers and workers that were displaced at, during the Great Recession, so their skills might have depreciated, they're coming back into the labor market, yep. but they come in by and large with wages that are lower than the average wage in the economy, so it pulls down average wages in the economy and slows mm-hmm. the pace of wage growth. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing that they're coming back in, they're making incomes, that's contributing to consumption, etc., but it's going to muddy the signal we get from wage growth in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let me ask you about about this, and particularly the Great Recession, right? So Great Recession was 2009, started maybe some indication of it a little before then, um, which is now quite a while ago for lots of people, right? It's eight years or so ago, and there are people who are 30 in the business world who have never known anything uh, but this period, right? I mean, it's pretty big deal, I think, in in U.S. history, looking back on this period. And a lot of the stuff that was happening there was just unprecedented, yeah? In terms of Completely. the size of this thing, yeah. Completely. I mean, we haven't seen a downturn and a protracted 
lengthy recovery, sluggish recovery like this since the Great uh, Great Depression. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that was a monumental event in American history, and this would be, uh, I think, a monumental event in, in the lives of most individuals mm-hmm. who have lived through it now, and especially for young workers where, as you've said, they haven't seen anything other than, than this kind of an economy. And so that is... It's certainly been a long and protracted recovery. The nice thing about the the data we're getting in now, the thing that gives us um, some hope, is that you see job growth. You see the unemployment rate coming down. You see workers who were uh, not in the labor force coming into the labor force, reentering. Those are all very good signs, and we're starting to see a pickup in, in wage growth that's consistent with those things. Mm-hmm. The um, I think the thing that's been making – you know, individuals a little worried, and policymakers and economists alike, is whether this wage growth news was really signaling that we weren't as good as we thought we were. But again, as I said, hmm. this, this reentry is pulling wage growth down in a way that is 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 not a bad signal. It's just uh, an af- it's an outcome of of pulling workers in who have otherwise been out on the sidelines for a while. Mm-hmm. So I think of it as nothing but good news that those workers are coming back mm-hmm. in. It's it's been mm-hmm. a long time coming for yeah. for those workers and their families. Right. So if if you looked at the United States economy as a business, would you say this is the time to buy, or would you say not quite so fast? Wait for mm. so so buy 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 what? As in invest. If you thought about it oh, as invest. a business, I see. Greg's big uh, Greg's big on metaphors. This is a this is a <laughs> or analogies when I can't come up yeah. with a metaphor. Okay, there you go. So uh, you know the way the, the way that I uh, have the way we think of it is that we let businesses tell us what their mm-hmm. their demand is, mm-hmm. and we uh, then look at the impact that has on the economy. And now one thing I I will venture into is that our contacts have been feeling good about the economy. They've yeah. been positive and and, and optimistic about. Uh, the future growth, because they see that after a long period when there just wasn't a lot of uh, good news around the corner, there's many things that give them a feeling that there's some good news. Consumers are mm-hmm. coming back. People are more optimistic about buying durable goods, and people have when people have see help wanted signs, even if they already have a job, they get uh, more optimistic about their future because they. Yep. They say, oh, okay, the economy is in, in reasonable shape, and if I did lose my job or wanted to move to a different job, I'd have an opportunity. So I think yeah. all those things are positive, and they, they lend support to this idea that the economy is growing in a, in a place, in a way that we are happy with. Well, uh, tell me, uh, Mary, if you've noticed this too, but one of the things that, that I wonder about is with many employers, and particularly with some of the employer representatives who are younger, um, I think they kind of got spoiled by a labor market that was so easy to hire, and people were generally not quitting. And a lot of the panic we're seeing now, like, oh, my gosh, there's nobody to hire, is something that just looks like it's a return to normal. I mean, I think they're, they are projecting structural change here. They're saying it's something structural about the economy, but it's really just returning to something like a more normal labor market. What's what's your sense about this, particularly these complaints about, oh, nobody to hire? You know, I'm somewhat sympathetic to this idea that as we return to normal in any time after a long period when we've been living when we've been living in an abnormal world, that returning to normal, it, it creates this sense of, is this a structural issue or is this just returning to something that I don't remember? Okay. And one of the questions I get asked all the time is, well, I get, I get these comments all the time, we don't have anybody to hire. I said, have you thought about paying more? Yeah. 
or right. offering more benefits. Yep. No, that didn't cross my mind. I said, mm-hmm. well, that's sort of how the economy works. Yep. <laughs> so yep. when you, you can't find workers, you raise your wages, you raise your benefits, and, and miraculously workers appear. So mm-hmm. I think we're starting this what I would think of as a virtuous cycle where workers uh, get to ask for wage increases. We get benefits that are more uh, consistent with what people are looking for, and that equilibrium settles out. But for a long time, uh, employers have had um, – they've been sitting in the good place because they haven't had to offer those things to get the best talent, and now they will have to. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing, though. I kind of see that as a as a normal process, mm-hmm. if you, as you referenced. Yep. Folks, we're talking with Mary Daly, who's Executive Vice President, Director of Research at the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, about what's going on in the labor market, particularly with respect to wages. Mary, one of the things I don't think is well understood is the experience of men and the experience of women coming out of this recession has been quite different, hasn't it? It has been. So one of the... um the pieces of, of news that is, is quite interesting is if you look at labor force participation rates, that's the, the percentage of the working age population that actually is looking for a job or has a job, women have been coming back, participation rates for, for women in their prime age, which uh, is between tw- the ages of 25 and 54, those rates have been coming back up. But for, for men, they've been a little sluggish in coming back up. And, you know, we look into why that's true, and, and a variety of reasons come to mind. But one of the things that's ongoing, it's a structural problem that just is ongoing, mm-hmm. is that manufacturing and jobs that are traditionally uh, occupied by larger percentages of males, they're just they're just going away on a secular basis. They're being competed away from uh, the U.S. and on into other countries. And so the opportunities for males have been perceived as being lower than the opportunities for females. Yeah. And that's consistent with this job polarization literature right. and other things. And these are all secular issues that we've faced for you know more than a decade. Mm-hmm. And now that we can pick our heads up and say the Great Recession has is behind us, I think we're returning to some of those more structural issues and mm-hmm. thinking about them hard. And just briefly, as I understand the literature, on this, uh, the wages for men are pretty flat, and by some measures, they're actually still declining in real terms. And for women, they've been ticking up, right? So it's not just uh, the jobs; it's playing itself out on wages too. Yeah, you know? it does play itself out on wages. The, the, the median wage for males is is growing much more slowly than the median wage for females, and that's been happening for uh, more than just the last few years. That's a more of a decadal thing. And again, for the reasons that we just talked about, that some of these high-wage jobs for males have been going away, and they're replaced by, by lower-wage jobs for males. Mm-hmm. So the, the trend that you talked about in terms of the uh, decline in traditionally male jobs, if you were going to take it as being one of two factors, understanding it's more complicated than that. So uh, how much of it is offshoring or globalization, and how much is just straight-up uh, old-fashioned technology, right? So the continual investment in, of capital to, that decreases the contribution of labor. Mm. So uh, if you had to, understanding that we're asking you to sum across a whole bunch of dimensions here, h- how do you see the relative balance of that in terms of the impact on what you were just talking about, in particular on the decline of traditionally male jobs? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. It's also the million-dollar question. And, and we, you know, I don't know of anyone who is really comfortable. There's no consensus forming around the exact quantities of, of those things. So I'll stay away from an exact percentage. But what I will say is that there is a consensus that I think is has formed that the the bulk of the concern going forward and even of late is about it, – the bulk, if you were thinking about what is the risk to those jobs going forward and what's the risk been overall in some, it's been automation, not globalization. Globalization is there for sure, but automation really is an important component and, and, and probably the bigger component of, of replacing um, individuals. Because if you, if you said there was no more, this is the example I always give. For me, it's, it's compelling. If you said we couldn't have any more globalization, we're going to close our borders, firms would simply choose to replace people with capital. And so that's the, the bottom line. So when you are offshoring it, that sometimes is even an intermediate solution until you fully automate some of these jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, where the bulk of it goes, in my opinion, is in the automation over the globalization. It doesn't mean that globalization doesn't play a role. It absolutely does. But the going forward um, concern or threat to those jobs, and I don't think of threat in a negative way, that the way that it happens is going to be automation. Mm-hmm. And that's why increasing the skill sets of U.S. workers is so important. That's the structural solution. Uh, but Mary, productivity growth has been flat, right? And yes. so the idea that if there was automation that was really taking these jobs, you'd see sharply increasing productivity, and we're not, right? Well, you wouldn't – so there's there's several things going on in productivity. So one is you know, the productivity growth just – it's a worthwhile reminder that productivity growth today – I mean, we have a little bit of cyclical things going on right now. But when you think of trend productivity growth, the estimates today are very similar to they were in the 1970s and the, in the 1980s. The thing we're comparing it to, the period we're comparing it to, was a period of extraordinary rapid productivity growth, the 1990s and early 2000s. And that was because we had this big IT revolution, which is not only putting those those capital goods to use, but also diffusing them into process change across the um, the whole business sector. So that is going to be very difficult to repeat going forward. The real drag on our output growth, for instance, right now is not productivity growth, it's labor force growth. So if I took the labor force growth of the 1970s with the productivity growth we have today, I'd have a potential output growth that would be much higher. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think that regular automation, the regular process of replacing individuals or, uh, with capital is is going to deliver about 1% productivity growth mm. on, on average per year. The extraordinary productivity growth that we had in the 1990s, that's a, a big revolution. And we yeah. don't have any big revolutions in our future that anybody's pointed to. Right. That was, it won't happen. Right. That was 20 years ago. And, and one other thing on the labor force growth, if that's the problem, why aren't wages rising? Well, right now we didn't. You know, we're not. We're only running modestly above our potential. So we're at two percent, and potential by most people's estimates is, you know, one point eight. So we're modestly above potential. We but, see the unemployment rate coming down. We potential see for. Growth. I'm sorry, potential for what are we talking about here? Oh, I'm sorry, potential output growth. So productivity how fast growth. can the economy grow? What's our no? Oh, what's our total GMP um, GDP growth? GDP okay. growth. Yeah. So GDP growth about you know. Potential is about 1.8%. Yeah. We're going yeah. at about 2 But don't you think um, that when – let me just argue with you for a second about this. Okay. That, that uh, having a bigger economy because there are more people in it doesn't sound like a very desirable goal. You know, like the U.S. could take in a few 
10 million extra people and the economy would be bigger, but uh, particularly if you took in low-wage people, uh, isn't it per capita that we ought to be caring about rather than just bigger per se? I mean, certainly if there are more people, the economy will be bigger, but it doesn't seem like that's really a desirable goal, is it? Is anybody arguing for that, that we just want to be bigger as oh, opposed to bigger so. per I person? Think, I think the world that, that we work in as economists is all thinking about per capita, but along these per capita lines, here's where it becomes important to think about the labor force participation rate or the how active our working age population is in the labor market. Yeah. Whoever's not working is being supported by the workers. Mm -hmm. When you either support them by living in their households or you support them through tax and transfer policies. And so what you want for the equation to stack up well is for the workers who are the working age population to be fully active in the workforce. Yeah. And that's right. the concern I have when I say you know, that labor force growth is slow. It's slow in part, and this is something we can't do a lot about because of the demographic trends. The baby boom is retiring, and that's going to be a drag mm. on labor force growth going forward. Yeah. But if you compare our labor force participation rate of our prime age workers, 25 to 54, to many European countries, we don't stack up very well. We're far below in terms of how many of our potential workers actually participate in the workforce. So right. that's the place where that equation can change. Right. Uh, and that's uh, among our current population. That that sounds uh, that certainly sounds right to me. Mary, we understand that you've got to go run the economy, so we should probably let you go right now. <laughs> For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.